In today's show, we're talking shooting guard tiers. Yeah, point guards yesterday, shooting guards today. Michael Bolton now. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball, on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. <clears throat> so yesterday, myself and Matt Smith did point guard tiers. Today, we're doing shooting guard tiers. A couple of things before Matt comes on. You can hear us discuss what we mean by tiers in yesterday's show. Um, I also apologize again. I was going to do some points league stuff in it, and I had some real screw-ups behind the scenes, and that's all fixed, hopefully, fingers crossed. And I've got some point guard tiers here, as well as tiers using a new metric that I have not fully 100% finished developing. Bear that in mind, but I'm going to put it up at tiers just to see how things can change based on the way that things are viewed, right? That's that's mainly my point here. The new metric is going to be called Durant, and it stands for Dynamic Unbiased Rankings Applying Normalized Transformations. That's what it stands for. I'm going to do a show on this discussing it probably, well, maybe the weekend. I'll see when it goes, right? But we're going to talk about the tiers that Matt has up on Basketball Monster. Um, we're going to do points league tiers, and we're going to do my Durant tiers as well. Just a quick little overview, again, just to show how things can change. And one of the big takeaways that I'm really going to hammer home this fantasy offseason, fantasy draft season, is how small differences are and how big an impact variance can be. And I've been discovering so many weird statistical anomalies in doing all this work that it's really important to note. And honestly, I think it's kind of groundbreaking for fantasy, some of the stuff that I've seen. I've never seen anybody talk about it before, and I think it's going to change, I hope it's going to change, a lot of the ways that you think about uh, looking at fantasy basketball. So we're going to talk shooting guard tiers. We might as well get straight into it now. Let's get Matt in. All right, he's back. He's here. It is, of course, the one and only Matt Smith. Matt. Welcome back to the show. It is Shooting Guards, Tears. We don't have to tell people what tears mean. I've already given them a slight preamble before you came on. We talked about at length at the beginning of yesterday's show. So we're going to come straight in here and talk about Shooting Guards. Is there something, though, when we look at the Shooting Guards in comparison to the Point Guards as just an overall view of the group or the position? Of course, understanding that players will switch between them and there'll be Shooting Guards, Small Forwards, and Point Guards, Shooting Guards, all that sort of stuff. But as a group... How do you view the shooting guard position compared to point guards? Um, I don't think the shooting guard group is as deep as the point guards. Um, we saw guys like, you know, Josh Giddy um, down a fair way, Markel Fultz down a fair way. Probably don't have that um, in the shooting guard tiers. I guess there's also a few guys we're waiting on for um, some trades to potentially go down, which will affect a number of these guys as well. So that's really hard to factor in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, still got some really good options um, up the top, and yeah, got some 
couple of really nice sleepers later on for um people to have a have a think about as well there's one thing i want to i want to say about these tears shows and i know that people will really love this and they'll, they'll hang out for it and wait for it but like it sounds like weird for me to say this but i don't want people to look at these tears and just hang on every word that we say or use this as an absolute bible as to what you're doing and when you're drafting because a stuff is going to change in the next two weeks three weeks four weeks eight weeks and sometimes it is okay to move guys around into different areas because the, the margins that we deal with in so many of these things are not particularly huge and we've tried to find good delineations between the groups but things a marginal change in one player can have ripple effects through six seven other guys and move tiers around for so many different guys so don't be just completely or this is all that i need because I, I just don't think it is man no it's not and i was finalizing my sensor tiers um today and that's probably the hardest position because we've got so many players who are elite in, you know, your rebounds, your blocks and your field goals, but yet poor in free throw and threes and steals and assists and other categories. So it's really hard to try and compare all of those players and um, put them in some sort of order, in inverted commas, um, about, yeah, when we get to draft day. And obviously, you know, your strategy is going to depend on where guys go, um, your format, um, your settings. So these all need to be taken into account. Um, but yeah, like I said, in point guards, um, really encourage people to use this as a bit of a template and then shuffle guys up and down as they need. Yeah, um, I haven't seen your center tiers. Actually, I haven't put them out, but I'm going to guess that there's a little bit more depth in that because I've looked at your other ones, like your small forward and power forward, and some of those, the small forward one, there's, there's not many there's not many guys in the small forward tier. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty thin, and I think center might be a little bit deeper than uh, people expect. Yeah, center's definitely the deepest position, I think, this year, which hasn't been the case in, in previous mm. years, but um, yeah, and a, and a really interesting mix of young and old as well um, and who's coming up and which older players are sliding down. So that's really going to be interesting heading into draft season about where will I get those guys sort of go on, on draft day. Enough about centers because we're talking shooting guards. Let's talk tier one. It's pretty obvious. I think who it is. It is Shea Gilgis Alexander who has an ADP of seven on Yahoo. I for sure thought that he'd go in the top four of basically every draft, but I'm wrong, which again okay, is fine. Um, four on Fantrax, seven on ESPN. It's really hard, I think, for anybody to debate that Shea is worthy of this spot. I do, I'm do. i always going to have some concerns of someone taking gigantic leaps forward in six categories or whatever he did in one year and expecting all of them to stay at that same level. So, yeah, there is a risk there that if he's not in... He's been 81, 81, 81, 81, 91 from the line and then added five more attempts per game, which makes you go, oh, what if that is 86? Like, what happens there? But... That doesn't dissuade you from taking him in this area. Um, yeah, what if he loses one or two usage points? Eh, that's fine. It doesn't dissuade you from taking him in this area. And as we go on about Matt, you're not going to make a mistake picking Shea here. But I'm, I don't think that he's topped out. He's been great in the World Cup. But there are just, again, we're talking minuscule margins here. Instead of 91% on 11 attempts, if he's 88% on nine attempts, well, it's it's a change. And it someone can easily jump ahead or he can slide back down. And it, it is a change. Yeah, it is. And, and Shea's just turned 25 years of age and it's hard to talk about a guy who in his um, last season when he was 24, potentially having the best season of career. Yeah. Like Normally that that's not the case. The the best seasons are coming sort of 26, 27, 28 years of age. But yeah, like you said, that massive boost in efficiency, the steals are up, the blocks are up, the points went through the roof. Um, I, think, well, I think we might see a little bit of that comeback to the field and that those stat lines from last year um, would be hard to repeat, but I'm still taking him in the in the top five. And even if he drops down to say eight or 10, it's not going to have a big impact on your team overall. 
The other thing I think with I could look at two things that shake and improve on more assists. It is hard with Giddy there, and he hits more threes. But of course, we know what happens, Matt. When someone hits more threes, their field goal percentage goes down. That's just what happens. So he was able to jump up to fifty-one percent because he never took any threes. So he starts taking them again. It goes back to forty-seven percent. And then does the improvement in threes offset the decrease in field goal percentage? Maybe, maybe not. But they are things that can happen pretty, uh, pretty regularly. If I go and have a look at my points league tiers and my Durant tiers. For shooting guards, well, it's the same. There's no, no difference there. Shea is in tier one for both uh, both of those different formats that we've got there. And then we're going to come back in a second and we're going to look at tier two. Before I do that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Fangio. Get ready for NFL season with incredible offers from Fangio, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers, not just new customers, all customers who bet $5 get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can be on everything from spreads to player props, money lines, futures, over-unders, whatever it is. It is all there. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. We are tier two. Matty in shooting guards and just got Skyrim. It's great. Now, there is obviously an element of concern with weird absences. He hasn't been injured for three years because he sat all those games out due to weird absences. But he's undeniably an unbelievably good NBA player and fantasy player. He didn't suffer a massive hit really joining Luka Doncic. In fact, I think Luka probably suffered more of a hit than what Kyrie did. Where would you be comfortable looking at Kyrie? Because I agree, he's pretty clearly in this tier of his own. There will be someone who will argue this. I've got no doubt about that. But where would you be comfortable taking Kyrie? Um, probably late first, early second. And I mentioned this yesterday in Point Guards. There's a whole group... After that sort of top eight with Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, we don't know what's happening with Damian Lillard. We don't know what's happening with James Harden. Um, so there's a lot of unknowns in that range. And I think we can include Kyrie. Like you said, he just has this ability to miss games for random reasons. Um, you mentioned that he has been healthy and that hasn't always been been the case um, throughout his career. So we do need to factor that in as well. Um, so... Yeah, I think he's probably in that in that late first to early second range, but I would want to pair him with something I'm or someone I'm pretty confident can stay out on the court um, because when Kyrie does miss his 15 or 20 games throughout the season, you are really going to rely on that other player to step up and carry your team. Yeah, last year I was happy taking him at like 12 or 13, and I think that's probably the same, to be honest. The, the risk is there, but... There's 20 guys in that area. There's not 20, that's an exaggeration, but there's a bunch of guys in that area who have similar, if not more, risks. And I, the, the thing with Corey is I literally have no question about his production. Like there's, I've got no issue with that. I, I know what he's going to do. I don't worry about what a teammate is going to do to his numbers. I don't worry about him having a weird outlier in one category. He's just done the same thing for years and years and years. I don't worry about any of that. It's just all the other stuff. And then you've got a whole bunch of other players who have similar concerns there. So I, I do agree with you on that one in terms of... So, right, Right now, would you take Irving over Harden? Uh, yeah, I would actually. I just there's too much uncertainty for me with Harden, and while I do like Harden's game, I think that where he goes, it's probably going to be a team where he, he is unlikely to see a usage rise, and he still can get those assists. But yeah, he saw his. I think his free throws. He was only at like five and a half attempts a game, 
And that was always one of his big strengths, getting 10 of, 10 of those a game. And if he's a third like scoring type option, that, that does hurt. Mm-hmm. And again, pair that with uncertainty, whereas like, I'm not sure what Harden's per game production will be. And I'm uncertain about his situation, which is the other thing with Kyrie. I, his situation could be anything, but I know what he's going to do. Irving over Lillard? Um, hmm. Ooh, I don't know about that. I, I probably would. I probably would because I, I do think that, again, Lillard would suffer some sort of a hit heading to Miami. Um, not as big as the hit that Bam would, but we see it often that players changing teams, there's often an, a baked-in reduction in in their numbers because of just a fit, a coach, other players. Something seems to just always be a little bit off in those scenarios. And you know, yeah. it doesn't always happen, but uncertainty paired with, hmm, how does that work? Well, I'll just push him down a little bit. Yeah, and I'm throwing out these names because these are the sort of decisions that everyone's going to have to make come draft day. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, everyone should be ranking their, their top 10 or 12 players or the first round or whatever it is. And then after that, it completely changes depending on who you took in the first round or second round or third round. Yeah, agree, agree. You have, have your first like 20 or so and be ready to go and, and move on from there. Let's have a look at the other tier two here for uh, point guards. I In the, my Durant system, a little bit interesting, Paul George and Anthony Edwards jumped up into tier two. And in points leagues, Anthony Edwards was uh, clearly on his own in a tier two. Now I am, I have a level of skepticism about Anthony Edwards for this upcoming season as well. Everyone just seemed to think he's taking this gigantic leap, but I'd like the bloke to improve his shooting at some point. It just hasn't happened. Um, I do think he's going to be good, but he needs to pass more. He needs to improve his free throws and field goal percentage, but I am banking some of that in. But that's how those two guys come in. So Kyrie is there at that number two spot, but in Paul George obviously has more risk than Kyrie injury-wise with the way that his body's been going. But I think he's one of those guys that on a per-game basis, Matt, gets... Um, Gets it seems like underrated every season, and people always they seem to tie him and Kawhi together. Like I've, the amount of arguments I've had with people that told me that Paul George sat every back to back last year, he just didn't. Like he missed a couple because he hurt his hamstring and came back and sat one of them the first game back, but he didn't, and he just gets tied into the Kawhi story. Yeah, and and I get where people are coming from, but again, you do need to um, treat the players on individual merit in an individual basis and what's best for your team. So, um, yeah, and this is a good segue to my tier three. It is a good segue to your tier three because we've got Anthony Edwards in there. We've got Donovan Mitchell in there. And I noticed that I, when I did this this morning, Paul George wasn't in your tier three, but he is on your tier three at the moment. But we'll put him in there now, Matt. So we've got Edwards, Mitchell, and Paul George. Edwards' ADP is pushing right up almost into the first round, 14, 13, 21. Mitchell's like middle of the second round. And George's is way later than that. So when we talk about where Paul George uh, yeah, compares to these, I think he is significantly lower. But ha- mm-hmm. like between like Edwards and Mitchell, like you're, if you are sitting at the start of the second round, you're always going to have a choice between these two. I'm guessing, but I, I don't think it's as clear. I don't think it's. I don't think it's crystal clear that Edwards is a better pick, pick than Mitchell. Let's I'll put it that way. No, I don't think it is either. I think they're very, very close. Um, both going to be elite scorers. Um, really good threes, strong rebounds, okay assists, both really good steals. Um, Donovan Mitchell has the advantage from the free throw line. Um, like you said, that's something that Anthony Edwards really needs to improve on and probably get his field goal percentage up as well. That's why he needs to take his game to the next level and jump up into that first round conversation. Um, and Paul George, just that that injury risk, um, as you mentioned, he's played 189 of 308 regular season games over the past four seasons. So that's a big risk in the second round. Um, and that, yeah, that Donovan Mitchell v. Anthony Edwards battle um, is is 
pretty juicy there in the second round. Like if I want to talk though about Shea having this big increase in free throw percentage and maybe it doesn't stick, I, I do have to talk about Mitchell having an increase in usage and an increase in field goal percentage at the same time, which is a really hard thing to A, do and then B, maintain. So there's no... It's not set in stone that he's going to maintain that improved level of efficiency that he had last season. And I think from memory serves, his assist numbers dwindled as the season went on, which is one of those things that was keeping him pretty high early on, and that did start to taper off. So there are, there are, you know, there are question marks about a lot of different guys, and you know, Mitchell's not immune to that that questioning. In terms of uh, my Tier 3 there, the tier th- tiers for me get a little bit um, larger around this area. In my Durant Tier 3, it is Mitchell, Irving, and Jordan Poole, who I think is... I, I picked Poole at pick 42 in a mock draft the other day, and people hated it, Matty, but we're going to talk a little bit more about him later. And in points leagues, I've got Kyrie, Donovan, Mitchell, Paul George, Jordan Poole, and Jalen Brown all in Tier 3. And when we get into this later on, you, you'll see that my... or these tiers, these points league tiers, we don't go quite as deep as the tiers that, that you've got set out here. I think I've only got them in 10 different tiers because I was using this, trying to develop this uh, tiering formula for the, for the rankings and it only pushed it out to 10 uh, different tiers. So that's why you'll see a few more players push into some of these ones. So a bit of a larger tier three there. Into- yeah, and, and Donovan okay. Mitchell is already 27 as well, Anthony. Mm. It was just at 22. So Mitchell might be at his peak already or peak last season where we still expect, um, expect Anthony Edwards to take another leap at some stage. So it could be as early as this year when we see Anthony Edwards above Mitchell um, Yeah, at the end of the season. How do you view a, a peak of a player? I have a pretty general rule, relatively general, that once a player is 29, right, mm-hmm. that, that, is, that is it, right? That is the absolute generally the absolute best. That is not to say that when they are 30, they get worse, but it's just to say they're probably not going to get better. And their peak, the better players, the peak might go from 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. It might be like the slightest of curves, like really, really small curve. Or it might be someone who peaks at 29 and starts to, to dip and by age 32, they're complete toast. But from doing this for a long time and looking at a lot of data, it seems to me that the tipping point is generally around age 29. Yeah, and I tend to agree. I think sort of that twenty-nine to thirty range um, also depends on on the position. I think yeah, I, I think, think centers can can drop off um, a lot quicker than say guards. Like we're thinking that, that you know your Rudy Gobert's and Clint Capellas are probably you know now on on the decline. Yeah, shout out uh, to Andre Brooke Drummond. Lo- Andre Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Um, yeah, make some mockery of that um, yeah. discussion last year when he had this this outlier of a season. Nikola Vucevic now probably on his mm. on his decline. Um, so and depends on on the style of player as well. Um, you know, Jamarant, someone who's super explosive and already had a few ankle injuries. So, does that sort of hurt him at the back end of his career and, and the wear and tear on his body? So, yeah, I'd throw in the style of play and and what position um, into that into that mix as well. And decline doesn't mean trash. It just means not necessarily getting better it means my, my you know, losing 0.02 percent of production or whatever it is it just doesn't mean that you're bad it doesn't mean that you're not a starter anymore it just means that you're probably never going to just get past that number it's going to you're going to be at this whatever level it is and it's just going to probably start to to trickle down over the next couple of years tier four we've got old mate des bane sitting here by himself i'm going to guess maddie that if we we're tiering this for the first two months he'd be maybe knocking on the door of tier two yeah, potentially, or probably probably three with Mitchell and Edwards. He yeah, could be yeah, up in enough. that sort of yep. yeah top um, top twenty kind of range. I expect him probably be more between twenty and thirty season long. Um, super strong efficiency as well from a from a wing, which can be really valuable. But 
probably a little bit more valuable with that efficiency in roto leagues than he is in um, head-to-head leagues. Um, but yeah, either way, still really like him and he too, should take on yeah a lot more responsibility early in the season while Jarmorant is out. The thing is, a lot of the rankings, numbers will spit out these super high numbers. Well, Bain is 18th at the moment or 24th at the moment. But when you can, when you look at it, it's like bits and pieces of production. It's not like, wow, you killed it in this number. He's just really like he's solid. He's above average. He's in you know, the top 25% of players in six categories or whatever. And then you know, 50% of categories in in or 50% of players in two categories, whatever it is. He's just got that. It's almost the way that Rudy Gay used to operate, where it's just like, we're just going to give you average numbers right mm-hmm. across the board. And what I think Bain's um, scoring is obviously going to rise, and his, his sister probably going to have to jump up at the beginning of the year. It's probably going to tail off. So be really cautious about drafting him, even if you try and average out the production, because, of course, when the fantasy playoffs roll around, you're not going to be getting the average production. You might be getting top 20 at the start and then 40th in the playoffs and if you're picking him in the middle at 30 well that doesn't make sense for the playoffs so there is a risk in it right we were doing this all based on averages and they're one of the drawbacks when you've got a peak and a and a, a, a clear peak and a clear area where it's probably going probably going to decline there is yeah. there is a risk with that i think yeah and when we when you've um mapped out his projection as well he's like you said very even across the board but he's um biggest advantage in terms of categories is actually threes and we know that threes you can get later on in drafts and easily off the waiver wire so you know the points and assists and steals and free throw percentage are all good the field goal um, is about league average but you know are we sort of overpaying for those threes in a category that can we make up later on so therefore can you maybe potentially use this draft pick a little bit better and get um, some of those categories that are a little bit more scarce that's possible. Let's have a look at the Tier 4 through Durant and through Points Leagues. Well, I do have Bain sitting there in Durant by himself in Tier 4 as well. Um, and then in Points Leagues, he is there in Tier 4 along with Zach Levine and Bradley Beal. Remember, the Points League tier has pushed a little bit further down because um, it was a larger Tier 3. So Levine and Beal jump into Tier 4 there along with Bradley Beal for, for Points Leagues. Let's go into Tier 5. Matt, Jordan Poole is here. Um, again, he sits in this tier on his own. There'll be people that look at this and they'll go, Jordan Poole, he was trash last year. He's going to kill you in field goal percentage. He's going to take so many shots. And I just don't think I care. Like this guy, we talk about the differences in Bain being average, above average in a lot of categories. Poole's going to score a lot. It might be 27 a game, right? He might hit three and a half threes. He might average six and a half assists and he might get um, get to the line seven times and hit 90% of his free throws. Like he might do all of those things and they're all bloody really valuable. He also might shoot 41% on 20 attempts and that's... That can be tough, but it's also like getting those other numbers are really, well, they're basically impossible to do once you get past this. So you've got to sort of bite the bullet and decide, do you want to lean into these other numbers? The risk, I guess, with Poole is, you know, March, April, does he play? Are the Wizards just sitting blokes down? Like uh, there's no prize like when Minyama in this draft, but, and there's not going to be as many teams as bad, but does he sit down through, you know, through your incorrectly scheduled fantasy playoffs? I mean, potentially, and that's something, um, you know, we do have to factor in, you know, when we are drafting these players and particularly, obviously, in, in head-to-head leagues, um, what's going to happen come March and April. But, you know, yeah, I, I do prefer Paul in head-to-head leagues over rotisserie leagues for that reason because he is going to be that difference maker in points, threes, potentially assists and free throw percentage and give you that big boost you need to win those categories each week. Yeah, Exactly. Um, tier 5 in Durant and points. We've got Jalen Brown sitting there in Durant and then DeJounte Murray and Tyrese Maxey 
in points leagues. Jalen Brown has not appeared in our regular ranking tiers. Maddie, I do fear feel that he is coming up in this next group, which is a larger tiering for you in tier six. We've got uh, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, and I just, again, noticed that another name is missing off this tier, which is annoying. Um, DeJounte Murray, you moved into... I think there was some issue with the tiers over on Basketball Monster today, and that is what is accounting for the issue. But Brown, Levine, Beal, and DeJounte Murray into tier six here. You'll notice there is a decent discrepancy between like Beal's ADP at 64 and Jalen Brown's at 41. That's almost two rounds difference, but we're putting them in the same spot. I thought that people would be more bullish on Beal this season, but it seemed that they've pushed even further away and I seem to be probably higher on him than uh, than others are. Yeah, that's interesting. And um, yeah, I think out of Booker and, and Durant, he is going to be the one who has the biggest impact. He obviously had a really good season last year um, in Washington. Um, so we'll see how things play out. Um, I think you probably can still hold top 50 value. Um, but I don't think he's going to be a top, you know, 30 or 35 player. Jalen Brown, we know what he can do. He's going to give your team a big boost in scoring in this range. Zach Levine, um, 77 games played last season. That was a huge win for managers who drafted him, um, and that should give people some confidence heading into this season, still in the prime of his career as well. And DeJounte Murray, um, obviously we know he's good in assists and steals. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a mixture here, depending on what you've drafted early on. Um, so if you've missed out on a, on a point guard or maybe, you know, you have got a Kyrie Irving or a Donovan Mitchell early and you need some more assists and, you know, other people have gone a Halliburton and a Trey Young, um, you know, you're still going to come out with, you know, potentially two players that are averaging 10 to 12 assists between them. Um, but yeah, I think this is a, this is a pretty nice tier here. I would say that looking at those three, Jalen, Zach, and Brad Beal here, is that I know Beal's changing teams and he's going to cut down usage, but you know, we've that's been accounted for in his positioning here. But looking at these three guys, I don't think there's really upside, but I also think that it's just really safe. Like it's just they're just gonna like what's what's Brown's next step? Is he gonna become this ball handling assist wizard? I, I don't think so. Is Levine gonna take a couple of shots off the Rosen? Maybe. But maybe not. He probably just does 25, 5 and 5 on 48 and 85. Like he always does. Like the same stuff all again. And Bill just probably goes from 27 points to 22 points. And maybe gets an extra assist there. And it's just a real level of safety in those guys. And sometimes you want safety. Sometimes you don't, depending on what else you've done. It's because as much as we, as I, I, know I will bang on about this continually, as much as we focus on the first round, the ways that you can come out with successful drafts is by getting five rounds of value on your pick round seven pick or whatever like that's that's how you end up being uh, getting a, a win in a draft otherwise that's a lot of scrambling and maneuvering and waiver wire stuff but those are the ones that get you the win not picking the guy sixth who finishes fifth that doesn't do anything it's finding those ones so sometimes yeah I, I think my thing is each round that we go go into a draft we want to yeah whatever measurement you want to use you want to up your level of upside or up your level of risk as each round moves on uh, yeah. in the draft your uh, return on investment, so to speak. Yeah, so like you, you know, is this guy got a safe floor? And then that's really important in round three. But in round five, like can the, can the round five guy go to round four or can he go to round two? 
And yeah, once we get to round five, that's an up in the air decision. But in round seven, the guy that can get to round three will definitely take over the guy that can get to round five. Like that's that's just how you know we take those risks on things because you know, I haven't done an analysis on this, but I probably will or should at some point. But I'm reckoning a lot of picks that you pick in round eight or round nine, like there's going to be a large percentage of them that end up getting dropped anyway because just yes. weird shit happens. So you might as well take that upside fly when a, ch- a chunk of those guys are, are going to get dropped. In terms of tier six across the Durant system, I got Beal. Devin Vassell and Zach Levine, so a lot of the same names. Vassell popping his head in there. And then for points leagues at Scotland Barnes, Spencer Dinwiddie, we've got him as a shooting guard because, again, we saw that story today about Ben Simmons as the starting point guard, which I spoke about on this show about three weeks ago. So it looks like Simmons is going to be the starting point guard. Now, whether Dinwiddie starts or not, I don't know, but we've got him here, along with Vassell and Rogier in Tier 6 for uh, points leagues. Matt, I hope I've got your Tier 7 correct. Um, oh, there you go. See, DeJounte was in Tier 7 when I looked at this earlier. He's now in Tier 6. So you've got DeJounte Murray and Tyrese Maxey. DeJounte Murray's ADP is is very high, Matt. It's at 33 on Yahoo, 33 on Fantrax. Tyrese is at 58, 64, 82. I, I don't get it. I don't get Murray at 33. What's What are we banking on here? Well, he's at 80, ADP is 33 because his ranking's probably... 33 or something similar because they're always linked. Let's have a look. Um, where is he on this list? Because uh, he he wasn't that good last season, pretty clearly. Yeah, he's, you're right, his rank is 34 over on, on Yahoo. Like, he wasn't that good. And they just thinking, well, it was an off year and he's going back to the San Antonio. I uh, one, Sorry, one year San Antonio production. I just think the one year is the, the blip there. He was just, he just is sort of who he is, I, I think, at this point. And between these two, I think it's a good spot to tier them. But Murray's going to go way off the board ahead of Maxi. Do you have to choose between these two? Like, and they are both are presented to you. Like, which way are you going? I'm still taking Gian Dejounte Murray because I want that boost in assists and steals. Um, I think I can find the scoring and the threes a little bit later on with Tyrese Maxi. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still does have that James Harden trade hanging over him. If Harden goes, obviously he's going to. Well, not obviously, but he should take a big boost depending on what comes back. Um, but yeah, if Harden does happen to kiss and make up with Daryl Morey, then, you know, potentially Maxi just does what he what he did similar to, to last season. But um and and again that's why I don't really trust the ADP data because, you know, Deontay DeJounte Murray is at thirty four. People think, oh, he's thirty four, I need to take him in that range or a lot of people are still um auto picking in, in drafts as well. So um I think that's why those two are so closely linked and um, doesn't give us a true representation. What is actually really wild, though, when looking at this mix, is that we've got them both in the same area, which is around round five sort of drafting area in terms of their value. But you know, Dejounte is on ADP of thirty-three, Tyrese is at eighty-two on ESPN. Like that is a gigantic difference for guys that ostensibly, uh, even if you argue one is ahead of the other, like that's it's not that big of a difference. And I know that ESPN's rank is like he's actually sixty-eight on ESPN. So people are looking at the top of that draft board and Max is at sixty-eight. They go, nah, nah, we'll just let him sit for another round or so. Which is always the things where I go, well, what's going on there? That rank's already too low, and then you're just letting him slide by even further. And that's where like we look at these guys in that similar tier where we could look at it and go, well, I would need to spend at this point a round three pick on Dejounte Murray. When could I actually get Tyrese in round seven for the? potential same sort of guy like that that's i think that's the real killer value in this tier it doesn't matter whether mario maxi finish ahead of each other or whatever but it's like when they're close enough and you've got discrepancies like that that's when you can start to bring that value out i think yeah and when you're doing mock drafts and you're looking at the top of your board and it's probably only showing the next 15 or 20 mm. players so it's a bit of out of sight out of mind you see tyrese maxi down there in the in the 80s and 
you know, think, oh, I can I can wait on him because no one else is seeing him at the top of the draft board, so you can wait on on them an extra round or two, and and that's why it does affect their ADP. Yep, absolutely. All right, my tier seven over in Durant. Well, there's Maxi again with Dejounte Murray, with Scotty Barnes, with Terry Rozier, and in points leagues tier seven, it's Tyler Hero, Jalen Green, who is maybe 50 spots better in a points league. Uh, Anthony Simons and Austin Reeves jumps in there to uh, to tier seven on uh, on the points leagues. Matt, your tier eight. We've got Devin Vassell. We've got Scott Barnes over here. Again, Barnes could very easily, at the moment, I think Barnes actually listed as a small forward, power forward on Yahoo. He could also be their starting point guard. He could be their starting two. Positions don't mean shit, but we're going to talk about it this way. And then there is Vassell, who's almost definitely locked in to be the shooting guard here on the Spurs. And another one of these ones where you know, Barnes 56 ADP on Yahoo, Vassell 91 on ESPN. 40 spots difference for guys who are pretty similar. Now, Barnes disappointed a lot of people last season. I don't know that disappointed me because I didn't have high expectations. Whereas I think Vassell probably disappointed me a little bit. Um, if we're just going to look at these two guys strictly upside, like who has a chance here to hit top 30? Because we are talking about picks in your round six or round seven. So you want to be able to hopefully, you know, what can you hit around three upside? Like who do you think's got that chance? Albeit, you know, 5% chance. Yeah. I mean, midway through last season, I, I would have said Devin Vassell. I'm I'm not sure I'm there now. I, I do have some concerns about um, the impact of Victor Wembanyama and how that impacts Devin Vassell. Is it going to help him because it gives him easier shots on the perimeter and it also gives him more license to, to roam on defensive because he's got Victor behind him? Or does it impact his usage because everything is going through Victor and you know the ball's going through Jeremy Sohan and then they add another piece next year and then they bring in a big-name free agent and Devin Vassell becomes you know basically a third or four option. So... I'm really interesting to see, or interested to see how that, you know, his um, game and and he he develops and where he, um, you know, sits in that Spurs pecking order over the next two, three, four seasons. Um, and again, with Toronto, really interesting to see what they do with Scotty Barnes. Is he going to be, you know, their full time point guard? Is he going to just be um, a second ball handler? Um, you know. Is he the, the piece of, or the face of the franchise over the next decade, um, or is he going to be, you know, potentially a trade piece? So, um, yeah, and again, two different plays. You've got the steals and threes from Vassell. You've got the assists um, in particular from Scotty Barnes. Um, so, yeah, again, comparing two different players, but their overall value comes out in a similar range. Yeah, they are. Now, I am pretty high on Vassell as a player. I think this, you know, year four here, is it year four? Year five? I think it's year four. I think it might be that he really starts to blow up and really establish himself again with more eyes in San Antonio as well as a you know, elite perimeter player who can defend and shoot and even pass a little bit. Um, but we'll see. Tier eight in... Does, does, does he get to like Desmond Bain level? I think that his peak is better than Desmond Bain. Yeah, I, I think that... Can he get to what Bain produces now? It's going to take a big jump in efficiency, but I think he can be a better better player overall than Bain. Tier 8 on Durant is a lot bigger. As then as we get down the list, the tiers tend to flare a lot of the time. Um, Dinwiddie, Austin Reeves, Tyler Hero, Buddy Heald, Kevin Herter, Shaden Sharp, and Josh Hart. Again, tiers don't mean ranks or anything like that or rounds or anything like that. These guys are just all in similar sort of areas or as points leagues, it's Jaden Ivey, Jordan Clarkson, Shaden Sharp, and Benedict Matherin there in tier eight. 
tier nine, this is the one, Matt, you have to, you have to panic message me today. Oh, I've got to change it. I've got to change it. I've got to get Austin Reeves into tier nine. And here he is, along with Tyler Hero and Terry Rogier. There is, again, big discrepancies in ADPs. You've got Reeves going outside the top 100, even on fan tracks, which stuns me, to be honest. I, that's, that's crazy to me. Whereas Hero, there is uncertainty about what the hell team he plays for. Um, and then Terry Rogier, who, who did struggle last season and won't handle the ball as much, but can the deficiency jump back up? There are, all, I think all three of these guys have got arguments to be able to push or at least nudge the top 50. Who would you say is most likely to do it? Well, Tyler Hero is a really tricky one because we don't know where he will be playing this season right now. Obviously, he's in Miami, but will he end up in, in Portland? And if he's in Portland, is he sort of the number one or number two next to Jeremy Grant? Um, Terry Rogier, we've seen him put up sort of top 40, top 50 value in the past. I'm not convinced he can get back to it. Um, Austin Reeves, yeah, why not? Um, you know, if if LeBron sits games and Anthony Davis is is injured, who else there in, in LA is going to, you know, take on, um, you know, a big role there? And, you know, we saw last season when he had 22 games as a starter, he averaged 15 points, three and a half rebounds, over four assists. 1.63s and he was shooting 51% from the field and 89% from the free throw line. So obviously those um, percentages are, are very, very strong and um, we'll see if he can keep them up. But yeah, plenty of upside um, with Austin Reeves and yeah, really like um, what he offers going into drafts this season. I like Reeves. He does have a lack of defensive stats. That is a problem. He shot like 63% from two or something like that. And that's a little bit where my worry lies, that if he's forced into a larger usage role, like Mikael Bridges was even in Phoenix and in Brooklyn, where that usage stepped up and that 64% two-point shooting went to 55, Reeves is not going to get 30 usage like Bridges did. But if he jumps it up and becomes literally that third guy instead of D'Angelo Russell that maybe that high level, you know, 51, 85 or whatever he's shooting comes back to 47 and, and that hurts when it's not being um, boosted by by the defensive stats that he just isn't bringing. So there is a risk. I, I think Hero is probably got the high. Like he could be, hmm, given the right scenario, he could get close to Jordan Poole's projected numbers from this season would be my guess. Maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe. if you compare... If you compare Tyler Hero and Zach Levine as well, there's not oh, a real lot of difference between their their output and their stat set. And um, this is one article that I do write um, in the off-season called um, The Backup Plan, and, and I won't give it away because Basketball Monster members know what it's about. But, um, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, Tyler Hero and Zach Levine do offer very, very similar numbers. Let's look at the Durant uh, tiers there. Big one here for tier nine and shooting guards. Josh Richardson, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Anthony Simons, Jalen Green, Jordan Clarkson, Benedict Matherin. So as you can see, tier nine is the back end of the draft. And in points leagues, it's Joshy Hart, Kevin Herder, Norman Powell, Buddy Heald, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Porter Jr. I slotted in here as well. Uh, Gary Trent there too. And then I think tier nine goes a little bit longer. Yeah, it's pretty big. Uh, categories, it's Bogdan Bogdanovich, Suggs, Grimes, Ivy, Amen Thompson, Norman Powell, and then Amen Thompson and Trey Murphy in points league. So my tier nine is relatively large because Matt, one thing that yeah, we'll get into your tier ten in a second. One thing that yeah, we can look at, and this I think this is something that gets reflected in auction drafts a lot as well, is the last fifty guys. Like, what's, what's the difference? Like, you, when you go into an auction draft, like all these guys are one dollar or two dollar players, and yeah. we look at them. Well, you took this guy in round ten and this guy in round thirteen, bro. They're the same. There's there's actually not. 
a gigantic difference between all these guys. Hence why this tiering system that I've got here is putting so many of these players together. Because again, when you look at it from an auction perspective as well, they're, they're, all these guys are $1 players or $2 players. It's not it's not the end of the world. The difference between them is absolutely minute in terms of um, how we view them. And I think, again, that there is, yeah, I'm probably guilty of it too, of over-criticizing certain spots when, man, there's 40 spots can change like that towards the end of a draft. Yeah, and you look at those players you've got there in your Durant tier and they all offer something a little bit different as well. The Suggs, you know, the steals, the Jaden over the assist, Amen Thompson, we think the steals and assists combined. Norman Powell is the points and the threes and the good efficiency. So, again, it completely depends what you need at the back end of your roster. And um, a lot of these guys, yeah, are just going to be streamed through in standard leagues. Let's have a look at your tier 10. It is Now, you do have Scoot Henderson here in this one. I'm guessing because on our depth chart at Basketball Monster, he's sitting at shooting guard because of Dame still being there, but he's not really going to play this position very much. We've got Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Trey Murphy in this group as well, and who's the other one? Oh, Anthony Simons in that group too, which is... That's correct, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, no, Dinwiddie's moved down in your other teams. Oh, all these changes after I made the, the graphics. Anyway, it doesn't matter that much. All these guys in this same area... People will talk about Trey Murphy's ranking from last season, Matt, and they'll say, well, he was actually a top 30 player or whatever it was, which, of course, is entirely misleading because if you're going to claim that he was a top 30 player next year, then have the balls to draft him in the in the first three rounds, and no one will because that's not realistic or a representation of the value that he provided. I do worry that they're going to just stick him in a 29-minute-a-night role and limit what he does. Down the end of the stretch, he was playing like 37 a night and dominating. So I am a little worried for him. When I look at that group, the two Portland guys have significant upside, like absolutely gigantic upside out of that group. And I would probably target both of those guys. And Simons is a guy that I did this show earlier in the week. I think he had, out of all the Ahu ADPs over the last seven days, he was out of the draftable players, the guy that fell the most, which was a little weird to me. Yeah, that is very weird. And yeah, I would target both of them as well. I mean, Spencer did he, didn't with he average nine assists last season with Brooklyn, which is a um, incredible number, and I don't think he'll get back to that mark again. But um, no chance. yeah, Scoot Henderson and, and Anthony, Anthony Simons, um, yeah, complete upside. And again, we need to wait and see what happens with Dame Lillard. But if he's moved and there's not too many pieces coming back, um, then yeah, the runway is pretty clear for for both of those guys. And another guy we're going to talk about in a couple of tiers time. Yeah, we will get into him. I'm sure you know who that is. We'll get to him very soon. Um, just to, getting towards the end of the Durant tiers, it's Kevin Porter, Karis Levert, and Gary Trent there in tier 10. And for points leagues, Malik Monk, Herb Jones, Quentin Grimes, and uh, Josh Richardson towards the end there, who I do believe is going to start in Miami. But of course, so much can change with that team. Let's look at your tier 11, Matt. Now, you, oh, you did have Austin Reeves there, but I forgot you moved him up. So we've got a blank tier 11. That will take us into tier 12, which is now tier 11. Uh, Joshy Hart, Budrick Heald, Kevin Herter, and old mate Shaden Sharp, who I don't I don't actually know what they're going to do with him because if Dame does get traded, A, players will come back, but will they actually go Sharp, Simons, Henderson as the starting group, or will Fibel be in there? Like, we can have this level of hype for Shaden, but it's, it's not the clearest path at the moment. No, it's not. I would think, well, one of those guys will come off the bench and be that six man. I'm not sure whether it'll be... Um, Sharp or, or Simons. I'd say there's um, no, would... no way that it's there's no way that it's Simons. Surely, like, uh, he's I know Sharp is their future, but Simons is 24 and he has actually established himself. And I would think that he would get at least an opportunity to start for a bit. Is is Simons a third option starting caliber guard on a championship team? 
th- what, do you, what do you mean third? Well, it's in like a shooting guard with two better players in the lineup. Like yeah, like like hypothetically, like a Bradley Bill role, like in Phoenix. No, like I don't know if he's I don't know if he's got that level in him. No, I think he is um, similar to Tyrese Maxey, where he's probably maxed out. Pardon the pun, as sort of that six man elite scoring option off the bench. I think part of the problem for me with Simon is, A, the defense is atrocious, but also I think he functions better as a point guard. And that's just not going to happen here with Lillard and now with Scoot. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I think that him playing exclusively as a two, he's fine at it, but it's I think he is better actually handling the ball. But then when he does handle the ball, What's your team's upside? He's one of those guys. Well, he's actually best when he's doing this, but then that makes your team worse. And then when you put him into a situation that makes your team better, he gets significantly worse, and there's probably better players who can fill that role. Like, in that role, Devin Vassell, I think, is a better player than Anthony Simons. But if you needed someone to get you from 20 wins to 35 wins and push to the play-in with the ball in their hand as their point guard, well, Simons is going to do that at a higher level. And that's, even when you talk about real NBA tiers or or rankings or anything, like, we have these lists, and this guy's better than this. Well, it's all bloody context-dependent, right? It's all, who's around you? Like, what are you being asked to do can you do this certain thing or can you not do this thing or do you fit in perfectly doing a lesser role that someone better wouldn't be able to do like that is all really really important and doesn't get discussed enough buddy healed has the absolute dog's balls there of adp data compared to everyone else it's just standing out 76 with a yahoo adp which matt is crazy i i, I don't get it like yes he shoots relatively well but bruce brown benick matherin even andrew nembhard there's no minutes upside for bud and I'm not I'm not wasting a seventh round pick on him. No, and last season he, you know, he did have that top sixty season, but prior to that he was um ninety second and seventy seven. So that that top sixty um is and, and was an outlier. Um so I think he's probably more back in that probably hundred range um this season. And like you said, he got got more competition for playing time. Um and again, his number one category is three pointers, which Again, you can find later in drafts and easily streaming off the waiver wire. So I think you can use that pick um, a little bit wiser and find something um, more, more valuable. Like it's an interesting group, right? I don't think Josh Hart's got particularly high upside. I don't think Herder does. Sharp, we just talked about the pitfalls there. So even though like there's no way I'm looking at Bart at 76 or 80, but out of this group, he probably would be the guy that I would take, even though he's not going to be available at the same time. So that is a weird little bit of a conundrum. That the value probably all is the same, but I have question marks about the other three. But you're talking about upside and yeah, that is true. Bring well, bring that, the that sharp. Then the, obviously that that big, has to be sharp. Yeah. Yeah, bring bring the biggest um, return on investment. That has to be Shaden Sharp. Like if Lillard's gone, even if Tyler Hero comes back, and then they can ship off, you know, Simons. I mean, like we saw at the end of last season. I know um, the Trailblazers packed away pretty much their whole lineup, but you know he was averaging nearly twenty four points and six rebounds, four assists, and three threes, and mm. just went went berserk. So that that upside he's already shown. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you can get. Austin Reeves and, and Shaden Sharp, you know, at the back end of the draft and one of them hits, you're going to be in a pretty good position. I agree. And the last tier, Matt, which just disappeared on me because I didn't put the right thing up, as people see behind the scenes. Again, just technical difficulties, Matt. I'm just struggling. It's too, late. it's too late at night here for me to do this. All right, tier 13, Josh Richardson, Gary Trent, Jordy Clarkson, Jalen Green. Also, Jalen Green's ADP data is the same as Buddy Heald because... 
that's where he should go in a points league. So that does skew things quite a bit there. Um, I, I'm very happy to take Jordan Clarkson. In fact, I, Josh Richardson doesn't even have ADP data, which is pretty weird. I think all of those guys have significant value, and it's is part of the thing where we talk about these four guys, the four guys in the previous tier, that if you didn't get a shooting guard early, there is a decent amount of them who are going to be around, around 11, around 12, who can actually, like Jalen Green could jump 40 spots. He might not, but when we, again, we talk about the way that rankings are distributed, that a jump from 42% or whatever he shot up to 48% or 40, sorry, even 46% or 77 from the line to 81. Well, it, it's, it might be 50 spots just from doing those two things. And yeah. is year three, like this, it's not, it's not outrageous to suggest that he would do that. Yeah. And that's what he needs to do. He needs to improve his efficiency, needs to somehow improve his assistance skills as well. He's, we know he's good he's in assist, his score. His assist did go up last season. That might be harder this season with the men and Fred Van Vliet, but yes. a lot of yeah. his counting stats did go up, or steals maybe not, but the assist went up a pretty sizable amount. Yeah. And, and then, like I said, that's the issue this year when you bring in um, mm. Van Vliet and, and the men Thompson, like the ball was going to go to him to basically score and shoot rather than facilitate. Um, and similar with Gary Trent, he's, you know, again, will be that steals and three-point specialist, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. Um, and, yeah, Jordan Clarkson, um, again, sort of that 20 points, four rebounds, four assists, just does what he needs to do. And, um, yeah, pretty sort of safe pick at the back end um, of the draft as well. It's going to be really interesting to see Gary Trent, who couldn't get a single steal to save his life as he played for Portland, played for Nick Nurse and then got every steal in the world. Is that Trent? Was that Nurse? What does Darko Ryakovic, um do in terms of how aggressive it is Gary? Because that's really the only thing that made people want to froth him in fantasy is he was getting two steals a game. And that was, I think, it'll be shown a little bit more this season. I think it was a lot of coaching that, that enabled him to be in that position. Speaking of coaching, Raptors fans seem to be taking it really well that uh, Jordi Fernandez is coaching his ass off in the World Cup. And they go, man, why didn't we get this guy? He's uh, motivating everyone in all these uh, huddles that people are seeing in the World Cup. But uh, that's going to be interesting to me for Trent to see whether, A, he gets the starters minutes because he didn't when Pirtle arrived last season. Or B, is the scheme going to be just act like a crazy person and try and generate steals in passing lanes because that was Nick Nurse's defense a lot of the time. And we don't know whether Ryakovic is going to do that. Yeah, and, and that's, again, something else to, to make note of now and, and monitor during training camp. Like we said, with Scotty Barnes, Dennis Schroeder, and now Gary Trent, like how do all those three fit into mm. the mix? Um, how will they be used and how will they fit into, into the new system? It is going to be something interesting to watch, and I hope this was something interesting to watch as well. Matt, shooting guard tiers are in the books. We'll have small forward tiers coming uh, tomorrow, assuming there's no, again, run of technical difficulties. Thank you once again for coming on, Matt, and chatting to me about uh, about the shooting guards across the NBA. Anytime. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. The old thumb it up, subscribe, notification bell, blah, blah, blah. I think we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.